at the end of our discussion about the 1980 explosion of Mount St. Helens, we made note that the Cascade Mountain Range was but a small part of the 25,000 mile ring of fire. Approximately 2,500 miles of that ring extends from the southern edge of the Bering Sea onto the Alaskan Peninsula and continuing eastward and eventually south following the mainland. This arc delineates the boundary between the Pacific and North American tectonic plates, a subduction zone composed of the deep Aleutian Trench, coupled with a landward line of volcanoes, creates a series of offshore islands, the Aleutians, as well as a line of volcanoes along the edge of the continent, the Aleutian Range, on the Alaska Peninsula. This zone marks the area where the denser Pacific Oceanic Plate subducts beneath the less dense continental North American plate, a literal hotbed of volcanic and seismic activity. The tectonics in Southeast Alaska are also driven by the movement of the Pacific plate, but in a different way. As the plate inches towards the Northwest, it grinds past Southeast Alaska and British Columbia. Unlike the subduction zone, these faults slip primarily in a side-to-side -side motion with a different tectonic plate on each side, still a bed of seismic activity. The Good Friday earthquake of 1964 occurred in south-central Alaska on March 27th with a 9.2 magnitude reading. It released at least twice as much energy as the San Francisco earthquake of 1906 and was felt on land over an area of almost 502,000 square miles. The death toll was only 131 because of the low density of the state's population, but property damage was high. Land masses were thrust up locally as high as 82 feet to the east of a line extending northeastward from Kodiak Island through the western part of Prince William Sound. To the west, land sank as much as eight feet. Extensive damage in coastal areas resulted from underwater landslides and tsunamis. The occurrence of tens of thousands of aftershocks indicates that the region of faulting extended about 620 miles along the North Pacific Plate subduction zone. The earthquake was felt throughout much of mainland Alaska, as far west as Dutch Harbor in the Aleutian Islands, some 800 miles away as the crow flies from Anchorage, and at Seattle, Washington, more than 1,300 miles to the southeast of the fault rupture, where the space needle swayed perceptibly. In southern Alaska, where the loss of life was largest, 70% of the fatalities resulted from tsunamis generated by massive underwater landslides that occurred on steep slopes of the seafloor. 
because of the proximity of many of these landslides to coastal communities. The tsunamis they created reached landfall within a few minutes of the start of the ground shaking and inundated some areas as much as 170 feet above sea level. Hello, and welcome back to Meyer Fun Facts. I'm Steve Meyer, and this is our final episode of season two. Meyer Fun Facts dares to ask the question, who needs Google when you have Steve Meyer? A quick programming note. This is our last podcast for the summer. The research and production teams need some well-earned time off, but we'll be back doing all the behind the scenes work, getting ready for season three as the summer progresses. Remember, keep sending those comments, questions, and suggestions to me at meyerfacts at gmail.com. I make a point to read them all. I hope that I can convince Professor Jacobs to make a brief return to answer some of the follow-up questions that we've gotten on his discussion of the KKK. After a brief message, we'll come back and have an interview with two maniacs who are longtime residents of Alaska and one who is an actual survivor of the 1964 Good Friday earthquake. But before we get to that interview, Meyer Fun Facts wants to give a quick shout out to Tiplock Home Services. With temperatures warming into the 80s, those spring and summer home projects just can't wait any longer. And if those projects are too much, make sure you contact Tiplock for help. Call Dan or Brock at 608-575-7044. You can also check them out at tiplockhomeservices.com. Now, back to the show. Meyer Fun Facts is thrilled to have as its guest. Yes, that's guest, plural. Two of the most resilient fun fact maniacs that the pod knows. Long time, and I mean long time residents of Alaska. They have survived moose, grizzly bears, earthquakes, volcanic ash, and ice and snowstorms that would boggle your mind. One of the maniacs actually survived the Good Friday earthquake of 1964 and the other worked on a trawler in the Gulf of Alaska with experiences that put the show Deadliest Catch to shame. It's two of my favorite people in the whole world, my in-laws, Mark and Debbie Kruver. Bonjour and bienvenue, mes amis, ma famille, como ça va? Ça va bien. <laughs> great. great. First time we've had actually a uh, guest understand what that introduction meant. One of the things I feel that, especially those from the Midwest, fail to understand is the vastness of the how large Alaska is. For example, what's the distance from Anchorage 
to Prudhoe Bay where they do the oil drilling. Oh, well, hi, Steve, it's Mark. That's a good question. I'm not <laughs> sure I know the, the, the correct answer to that. So, so if you put Alaska on the map of the United States, the continental United States, 48 states, it would stretch from coast to coast, pretty close. Wow. And north and south also. You were born in Alaska, or you were born in Alaska, Mark? Yes, I was. Was it a state when you were born? I was born in a territory of the United States. Were you in Anchorage? Did you live in Anchorage? And were you there when the earthquake in 1964 hit? Yeah, I was born in Anchorage, uh, and we were living there uh, when the earthquake happened. Yeah. Do you remember it? Oh, absolutely. It's definitely etched in my memory, uh, more than anything else, probably. About earthquakes, we talk about uh, volcanoes. The earthquake is really what sticks in my memory. What do you remember? Well, let me see. I was 10 years old. Uh, it was Good Friday, so we weren't at school. It just started shaking, and it pretty much immediately knocked me to the ground. And being in Alaska in 1964, you know, we were so close to Russia. The first thought that came into my mind was we were getting bombed by the Russians. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you have a shelter? Is that was your first inclination to go to the shelter? Well, it would have been if I could have got up and walked around, but it was shaking so hard I couldn't get off the ground. I was, was in my I was in the bedroom when it happened with my brother, fortunately. And um, <laughs> I remember it was shaking and we were, I was on the floor next to the bed. The bed started moving around. So I grabbed a hold of a leg so it wouldn't run over me and, and just hung on, you know, thinking that, okay, the Russians are bombing because I'm looking out the window in the bedroom and I'm seeing the trees, you know, back and forth just like you know somebody's out there shaking them like a matchstick and thinking that you know the russians were bombing my dad must have the noise was tremendous my dad must have heard me or or thought the same thing because he immediately shouted out over the noise earthquake and so that's when i knew how long did it last Oh, it seemed like it lasted forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like four minutes. Was there any damage to your house? You know, structurally, there wasn't. You know, I think some windows, maybe, and doors were a little bit out of kilter, but really no damage to the structure of the building. It's just, it was just everything on the inside, like a snow globe when you shake it. I mean, everything... Uh, was tossed on the floor, out of the refrigerator, out of the cupboards, and you couldn't even walk around. What about the neighborhood or or Anchorage in general? What type of damage resulted from the earthquake? There was uh, interesting, it was almost like a line that went through downtown Anchorage, kind of north to south, 
you know, northeast to southwest sort of. And it it really got downtown. My parents had a store downtown on Fourth Avenue, and right across the street from the store, looking to the west, northwest, it dropped. Well, there's different numbers on what people say how much yeah. it dropped, but anywhere from nine feet to thirty feet. I heard thirty you know, feet. Yeah. And uh, so every building on the the west side of Fourth Avenue was destroyed for a certain six or eight blocks, mm -hmm. and then it jumped because we were living in the west side also at the time, and uh, it, the damage kind of jumped where we were living and. It, and then came down and hit the Turnigan area. And, and that's where the ground turned into a, like a liquid and it just kind of sloughed off into the, into the water. It Turnigan is a portion of Anchorage. Yeah. It's, it's uh, on the West side. It's by the airport. Did Turnigan suffer from any type of, uh, tsunami or uh, water displacement? No, I don't think so. It, Did the military get involved in terms of assisting the citizens of Anchorage? Yeah, they did. And, you know, thank goodness they were here. We, we do have uh, uh, an army base and an air force base here in Anchorage. And uh, they were very uh, helpful with bringing in water, especially. There was a water, big water tank truck that everybody could go to and fill up their buckets or whatever. Death toll. Do you know what it was and why it was what it was? Well, surprisingly, you know, the population wasn't, you know, not as much in 64. So um, yeah. the death toll was, it seems surprisingly low. I think, I don't know, 130 deaths total in the state, uh, most of them by tsunami uh, and tidal action. Only 15, I think, were done by were earthquake involved, landslides, building collapses. Now, you mentioned you and your brother were home from school. Did the school, was your school impacted by the earthquake? Yes, both of our, I was, well, yeah, Denali Elementary is where I was going to school, and it was damaged so bad we had to, we couldn't go there. Uh, we had to uh, double shift with uh, Fairview School. You mentioned a tsunami. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, there was warnings out for just about everywhere. It, it, it really didn't infect, uh, affect um, Anchorage area, but mostly um, it, it did affect uh, Kodiak and Southeast Valdez. There was that one, the one village, Chiniga, uh, just outside of Valdez, that lost nearly half of their villagers. It's twenty-five. It was twenty-five out of seventy-six. How many earthquakes have you experienced? <laughs> too many too many i couldn't even count yeah i mean they, they happen all the time and they're usually just little tremors you know 
we we did have another one and a few years ago it was like five years ago 2018 it was seven point and and luckily we were out of state at the time but luckily or unluckily we got a call from our neighbors to say you got to get here quickly because it was the same kind of action uh everything out of the cupboards the the refrigerator was just emptied and it was open and the windows were open too it was winter it was in november so we had so to get... so your house suffered a fair amount of structural damage and impact from that particular earthquake that was a seven pointer yeah do you have earthquake insurance and are you able to get it <laughs> Or is it just covered under general homeowners? <laughs> it, it is not. And it's very expensive and we do not have it. <laughs> Does homeowners cover uh, the damage from an earthquake? Not one bit. No. So the damage you dealt with in 2018 was all out of pocket? Yes. Yeah, it sure was. Does... Anchorage have a fair amount of volcanic activity in addition to earthquakes? Mm, it does. I mean, I guess. I mean, we're perfectly much surrounded by uh, volcanoes that are, you know, possibly active. We don't have um, any major damage from it. We get some ash fall occasionally, but... Uh, yeah, since... Debbie knows more about it than I do. Yeah, remember. yeah. I, I looked up the uh, the dates um, since I've been here. We've had uh, a few Mount Readout, which is is down by uh, Homer and Kenai, in uh, '89 and '90. It was going off for about six months, and so uh, air travel was disrupted. And that's the only way we get in and out of of Anchorage is air travel. So when that happens, it's it's very uh, claustrophobic. It's difficult to get out. And then in 92, Mount Spur went off, which is actually the closest one to Anchorage. And our daughter had to go to the hospital she, with asthma. And they, on TV, they had said, if don't drive, if you don't get on the road, because it'll just disrupt, it'll, all the ashes just going to fly around and just stay in your house. Well, that, of course, is very claustrophobic. But anyway, so I had to get to the hospital because Amelia was sick. And so I just drove in. And our car was okay. So that's great. You said readouts near Homer. How far is Homer from Anchorage? It's about uh, 300. 300 miles. The major impact, at least to Anchorage, from the volcanic activity has been ash in the atmosphere, which has all sorts of different ramifications yes yeah it sure does yeah you get you know travel any kind of travel is they frown upon it it's you know it's not good yeah and that's when we got used to um masks that that would keep out the the dust you know and then when we had to do masks for the pandemic it was like oh just like for if there was ash fall <laughs> i can't my yeah. where those of us who are geeks watch the bears go after the salmon is there a uh, collateral impact from a volcano that occurred there a number of years ago like in 1911 or 1912 yes what happened 
It, um, it happened in 1912 and it was, um, the volcano was called Novarupta. It was the largest eruption of the 20th century in the whole world was there. And from the ash that came from that, they have an area that is still, you know, 10, 20 feet deep in ash. It's called the Valley of 10,000 Smokes. And still when the wind comes up, the ash will go over to Kodiak. And they have the ash alerts over in Kodiak from that. Mark, you, you mentioned earlier that Fourth Avenue was sort of the dividing line between that part of Anchorage that dropped or the other part that either stayed stable or perhaps raised a little bit. Yes. And you're familiar with Fourth Avenue because your store is on Fourth Avenue, correct? That's correct. Does it still have this disparate height on the street or is it level now? <laughs> no, it took them a while to fix that. And it, and it was a lot of earth moving because that's just happened to be one of those spots again, where that they had that liquefaction of the, of the ground. It was, it was sand and, and clay. Mm -hmm. It just turned into water and it just slid out, but they worked for, uh, uh, I don't know. It had to have been at least two years mm -hmm. to rebuild that area. And it looks normal today. When it first happened, it was like, Oh, we have waterfront property. Yes. Yeah, because we were on a little cliff then. <laughs> but uh, they built it back up. It looks absolutely normal. Fourth Avenue is famous because, at least nationally, because that's where the Iditarod starts now? Yes, absolutely. Fourth Avenue was also the primary filming location for one of my favorite movies, uh, Frozen Ground. Yeah, great. <laughs> that was a horrible story. It, it, it was. And they made a, it was a pretty big production. But it was a true story, right? Yes. It's about Butcher Baker. Did yeah. you know the baker in that movie? I'm going to say I didn't know him. <laughs> it, it, John Cusack played the baker and mm -hmm. Nicolas Cage played the state police detective that solved the crime. Did they yeah. do any filming near or at your store? Oh, they did. Fourth Avenue was a big thing for them because thinking about what happened in the movie, um, Fourth Avenue has a reputation. So they came in and, and told us that they wanted to use our storefront and uh said okay and so they and they put in props and different signs in the window and stuff like that so it was interesting for a few days and they also used uh the back alley by our store to to film a couple scenes that was pretty exciting because uh nicholas cage was was uh, at the store on our back loading dock getting ready to run out there did you meet him <laughs> no it was at midnight and we we made our manager go we didn't go <laughs> It's a true story, but it took place in the 70s, right? The yes. the underlying facts for the movie all yeah. occurred in the 70s. Fourth Fourth Avenue isn't like that anymore. No, no, it's not. So listeners of the podcast that are 
traveling this summer to Alaska, it's more than safe for them to patronize your business establishment, right? <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Debbie and Mark, yes. thanks uh, <laughs> for taking time out to answer questions about Alaska, earthquakes, volcanoes, tsunamis. Uh, the pod appreciates it. And uh, it's been great talking to you. Well, thanks, Steve. It's been good talking to you. After we completed this interview, the pod realized that we never mentioned the name of the store. In business for 76 years, Big Rays is a local retailer with the expertise on what gear works in Alaska's rugged and varied conditions. With five different locations throughout the state, the parent store location is on 4th Avenue in downtown Anchorage. Big Rays has stayed committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state, as well as sometimes visitors. They are classic Alaska. When we come back, the epilogue. While Native Alaskans seemingly downplay the impact of the volcanic and seismic activity, it can be, in a word, harrowing. Two fun facts make this clear. The 1989 eruption of Mount Redoubt sent an ash cloud 45,000 feet into the air. A KLM airliner had all four engines fail as it flew through the ash cloud. The airplane was within a few thousand feet of the ground when the pilots were finally able to restart the engines and avert a crash. Another Mount Redoubt eruption sent an ash cloud into the air 65,000 feet on the morning of March 15, 2009. A series of ash eruptions continued into the afternoon. Airlines were forced to cancel their flights out of Anchorage because of the danger from the drifting ash. But having said all this, visiting Alaska and its natural wonders is a trip of a lifetime. That concludes this final episode of Season 2 of Meyer Fun Facts. To Fun Fact Maniac Jimmy Son and Maniac Barrett, I hope to do truncated episodes on the biographies of Shioni Sugihara and John Peyton Davies when we re return with Season 3 at the end of summer. Keep an eye out for new podcasts in early fall on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss it. Enjoy the summer, and as always, take care. Music